You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. My time is yours. I was the last My man standing. I am the man, and the man feels no pressure. You are facing a fuel-injected suicide machine. Fear from the man that rules the world. I'm the man. When I walk, the ground shakes. I am the master. You are now entering the vicious circle. And there we go. We are on the vicious circle. How are you doing, Sid? Doing good, man. I've got you on the picture now, but I see where it says my name and Maggie's name, but I don't see either one of us on there. Gotcha. Yeah, we're having some kind of technical difficulty night. Sid is there, and we have a guest of his. Maggie, can you hear us, Maggie? Maggie, you there? I'm here. There we go. I couldn't hear y'all. Okay. No, uh, we'll introduce you. Everybody tonight, this is a friend of mine, Maggie. She's, uh, I got the chance to meet her. I don't know, when did we meet Maggie? About seven, eight years ago? 2009. Oh, God, is that long? Okay, yeah. Almost 12, 8, 11 years ago. Yeah, a long time. Yeah, we've known each other a while. But no, we yep. keep in contact and stuff like that, and we talk a lot. And just she's a good friend of mine, and um, we—I told you we've got a, uh, a friendly bet going on that I—I'm betting on Donald Trump to lose, and she's betting on him to win. Now I—I—we I, talked a little bit about this last week, Rob. Where I've never voted, so I, I don't really have much about politics. But if I was to vote, I would consider myself a Republican. Yeah, and I only—I'm only saying Donald Trump's not going to get voted in because. I just feel like there's just so many people against him. And then Maggie's got some really good insights on that and a different perspective than you and I have, Rob. I know you're not a Donald Trump supporter at all, right? Well, we talked about this, and actually Maggie and I talked just a bit before the show. It's not a, uh, a not support Donald Trump. It's trying to figure out exactly what's true out of all the chaos that's right. being thrown on the table. Because... Gotcha. When he first got elected, one of my cool things, I, I didn't like how he ran, but when he was elected, I'm thinking, okay, this is new. Something new can shake up, right. this, you know, and I was praying, but now I don't know what's true and what's not with half of this stuff going on out there. No, that's the thing is, I, this is what I feel like. I think half of it is it's probably about half true and half's not true. Um, and that's where you got to sort of take politics, you know, I mean, just like, you know, I remember watching Donald Trump's speeches. I, I really watched the election this past time. And uh, I said, man, this guy is promising a whole lot. I said, there's no way he's going to be able to do all this stuff. And then I heard Joe Biden say some things on his first speech, all the things he said he's going to do. And there's no way he's going to do all those things either. They just say all these things they like to get done. And that's politics. And we do know this much. Donald Trump is not a politician. He says what he feels. He's he's one thing we do know about. He's honest. We we get that much from him. Mm-hmm. You know, he might not hear what we want to hear, but we hear what he's thinking. One hundred percent true there. And then Maggie's got also a really good out uh, perspective on 
the, the virus. Um, um, we talked a little bit last week, or no, I'm not sorry, last week, Sunday, uh, that her, her faith is a little stronger than mine. It's just because she's been in church longer than I have. But she's also got, I think she's got a really cool perspective on that part too. Maggie Miller is talking about that. I do, and and I, I truly believe it. Uh, like I said, I, I'm just a normal person. I'm here. Can you hear me? Bob? Yeah. Can you Hello? hear us, Sid? No, I can't hear. Can you hear me? Here, one second. I'm going to hear you now. Uh, there. Go ahead, Maggie. It. I was just taught. That back in back in the Bible in the in the old days in Exodus, you know the uh, they had a lot of plagues, and the one plague that they had uh, they had to sacrifice the the lamb and put the post uh, blood on the post around the doors, and everybody that had this blood on those doors, the plague passed them. They didn't they weren't harmed. Right. Well, then you get over here in the New Testament in John, and they talk about Jesus. Being the lamb, the lamb of God. Well, he was he was sacrificed. He was crucified for us to be saved. And all our sins or anything that was bad. So right. to me, I plead the blood of Jesus upon myself, my family, uh, our home, the people that I love, and I just take it that he's gonna that plague or whatever's bad, it's gonna pass me. It's just how I feel. Well, you told me a story too, Maggie, where uh, you told me a story about one time a tornado was coming toward y'all and you and you prayed and it went around y'all. Remember you tell me that story? Oh, could you hear Sid, Maggie? I don't know if she can hear either of us. Maggie, oh, about, uh, about, uh, well, you said that I can hear it's breaking up, but I can hear you some. Okay. Well, uh, about the story about the tornado, I it was headed our way. Right. We lived we lived out in a different place. Go ahead. No, I'm listening. You go ahead. I think there's a bit of a lag. That's there what's is, there's a big delay there, Rob. What it yeah. is. Rob, we might get you to ask her the questions because she's having a hard time hearing me. Okay. You can hear me, Maggie? I can hear you, sir. Okay. Can you hear Sid talking? I can. Oh, okay. Right. Cool. So you, you were talking about the, the tornado. Yes, sir. We had just we had just moved to this place out in a little place called Liddyville. And I uh, and I hadn't been. Uh, I've never really been scared of things, but I was scared that night. Uh, our home was rocking. You could look at, I mean, everything, the trees all around us, and all I could do is put my hands on the walls. I kept walking down the, the hallway, put my hands on the walls, claiming Jesus' name, rebuking this in Jesus' name that it was going to go away. And when I tell you it split and went around both sides of my home. Now it tore up things for five miles down my house. 
it tore up things for miles before it got to my house. But it split and it went around my home. And like I said, he's never he's never forsaken me. He's always taken care of me. And that's just how I believe. I, I don't push my beliefs on anybody else because right. we got to seek out our own soul salvation. We have to learn that, that God is, uh, Jesus is my best friend. And I talk to him like I talk to Sid or, or you, you know, and it's um, prayers are good if you don't understand how to pray, but he listens when you just talk. And that, to me, that's the most important thing. Well, you know, Maggie, I, I might've told you this before. I, I think I've told Rob this, that, you know, I always had a problem. I didn't think I was, I think a lot of people wonder too, if they're praying right. Hello? So uh, the, the buddy of mine named Brandon Wallace, who got me going to church pretty much. Uh, I told him I was having a hard time praying and he, he's working to be a minister. He gave me a book called the common prayer book. And it, and it gives you a day to read. It tells you a, a, something to read in the old Testament, something in the new Testament. Then it talks about someone pretty cool. Uh, uh, like Martin Luther King, or if it's Black History Month that month, we'll talk about somebody like that or someone else pretty cool. And then um, then it says a small little prayer. And it really helped me feel like I was saying a bare prayer at night. Because sometimes I feel like I'd get halfway through a prayer and uh, catch myself not saying amen and forget I was even praying. So I knew I was, and I was working on it. So even that I've had a hard time with. This is one thing I've learned about church, and, th and this is where, you know, I, I sound weird saying things like this, but I've been taught through church, it's okay to have doubt. Like, you know, I hate saying this, but even when um, we do our readings at church, uh, they always talk about, you know, he was crucified, the raised was raised on the third day and stuff like that. And it's also, you know, when you read in death about that, I always go, hold on a minute. That really didn't happen. And then I feel bad about that. But if I'm being told it's okay to have that doubt, Maggie, how do you feel about having doubt like that? I'm, I'm here. Oh, I could hear part of it. It's kind of got the little lag in it, but I think I understand what he's saying. Um, I, I don't know about doubt as far as for me, like I said, everybody reaches their own, you know, you take babies where you got to get, that's, that's just a learning process. I've been, right. I've been at it all my life. Uh, I don't doubt. Uh, there's been times when I've been afraid that it, uh, well, I'll give you an example. In 1987, I had to have some surgery done and it was just like the devil sat on my shoulder saying, you're not going to wake up. You're not going to wake up. I had three small kids and a husband. And I asked my husband to leave the room and I got down on my knees and I was praying. And it was just like a motion picture. And God said, remember when? And it, everything that he had done or handled or taken care of over the years began to flood back in my memories. Right. And when, when I got up, I knew that I was going to be all right. I was home within the week. I was supposed to be gone three weeks. I was home in seven days. I oh, was not good. supposed to even be able to walk by myself or drive or anything. I was doing all that within three weeks. It just, um, the devil is, he plays on us and he, 
He makes us fear things that we don't, we shouldn't fear. Now, Maggie, you, we talked he about doubt. Right. He does. And I, I think one thing I've learned about what little bit I know about church is the word believe. You have to believe. You have to believe in Jesus. You have to believe in God. You have to believe all these things really happen. And if you don't believe, that's, that's supposedly the one sin that's not forgiven. Now, Maggie, what do you think about how's the pandemic doing down Louisiana? We see all these bad things on the news. It's, how are y'all doing down Louisiana? I came here. Oh, he asked how things were going with the pandemic down in Louisiana. Can you hear me? Oh, uh, Everybody, you know, I, I've known a few people that had. Their, yeah. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, okay. we got you, Maggie. There's been a few people around here, but everybody's recovered fine. They've either had the Z pack or or some some sort. Now, I think some of the older folks it's been harder on, but as far as the young folks, you know, in a week or so they're bouncing back to normal. One thing I found out, Sid, uh, you know our buddy Dean from England, the Isle of Man. Yeah. He got a hold of me today. He actually he had coronavirus. Like he got the COVID in uh, March. Really? Yep. And it took him a couple weeks to recover. I'm just going to pull up what he said. Um, where was it? Yeah, it was. He was. It was over in a few weeks, but he was very ill for over two weeks with it. Wow. And yeah, so I, I had no idea. But I guess now the island that they're on, that Isle of Man, they've kind of locked that off and they haven't had cases in how long did he say? In 75 days, there has been no new cases. But he's 100% right, too. That lockdown cannot last. It can't survive. No. So, and that's what the hardest part is, is trying to figure out. Oh, so go, go ahead, Maggie. It just, it seems like that over the years, you know, in, in 1965 was Corona. The last big pandemic we had was in 1918, Spanish flu. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. not saying that, that people don't get sick and there's not bad things, but they need to make up their mind. And, and I'm not trying to be ugly. One minute they tell you the rain's going to wash it away. One minute they say when summer comes, the heat's going to take it. You know, right. it just, uh, then they'll tell you not to take this uh, hydrochloroxifene. I can't say the word, you know, but the people that I know that that's what they've taken and they've been all right. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, it really amazes me at, at some of the things that um, most people that are having to wear a mask that work at Walmart. I was talking to a lady today. They hate it. They hate it. They're not about it. You know, they don't see that many sick people come through. I just, uh, um, when I go in Walmart, I plead the blood of Jesus over myself and anybody else I come across. I can't wear a mask. It, it makes me hyperventilate. It gives me anxiety. So I don't wear one. And But people that need to, I'm glad they do if they feel they need to. That's just kind of a self thing, but I don't think it should be forced. No, I don't think it should be forced, but I mean, I think right now, and this is what they said about the virus from the beginning. I think 
everyone has said that uh, the scientists and doctors said they don't really know what to expect from this virus. They're, they're learning like we are through it as, as we go. Um, but I do think the mask has proven to be, help out. Now, um, but you can do the same thing, they say, just staying six feet, feet apart, that that's just as safe as a mask. Exactly. You know, so. Exactly. Well, you know, I, I saw a video. I saw a video the other night. Go ahead. No, I'm you sorry. go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Maggie. I, I saw a video the other evening when uh, he, he had a mask on. But he was vaping. He was smoking. Yeah. And when he he blew, it all comes through that mask. Um, right. I've heard people say that, you know, it it bothers your oxygen level. I guess it all depends on the person. Like no, it, it, can wear well, it some cane. And if you feel comfortable with it. Well, I'm claustrophobic. And Go I ahead. remember the, I was, well, I started wearing a mask way before they started telling people to wear one. Because uh, I've just, I, I'm, I just, Knew that my uncle, who is an AIDS expert, he said he, he's the one who told me just wear a mask, wash your hands, and that is a virus just like AIDS. So I was doing that way for any else before they were. But I noticed when I'd go to Walmart and wear a mask, and when I first started wearing one, I caught myself getting anxious and short tempered. And we, I was going over to Sam's and Walmart on the weekends with some friends of mine, and we we're all wearing masks. And they say, you know, we're, we're in traffic fights with people. Because that mask does make you, uh, makes me claustrophobic and all that. I don't like wearing it, but I'm wearing it for my own safety. Well, some people just can't. Like you said, they get it over their face and it, it causes claustrophobia. It causes anxiety. They have proven that it doesn't, it doesn't slow down the oxygen flow because doctors wear them all the time every day for surgery. So it does not slow the oxygen. It's all a person like you guys are saying. Right, right. It, if you feel claustrophobic, it's going to drive you crazy. Well, I could be just in a tight spot and be claustrophobic. So a mass is definitely, and I've got asthma. So I have a hard time breathing anyway, especially this time of year. Yep. But I think too, that's where we get the problem. Is it, is it safe to wear a mask? Is it not safe? You know, there's so many different articles you can read that right. say things. Right. That's the thing is, it's so, like Maggie said, it's so confusing out there. You know, everybody's saying it's going to go away with the heat, uh, this and that. They don't know what a second wave is. Uh, and that's it is confusing, real confusing. It, huge. Now, I was talking to Sid about this uh, earlier, and I'm going to throw it up here real quick. Um, there is an actor by the name of Chris Evans, okay? And he was confused by everything going on as well. So what he did is he put together this website. And it's called a starting point, right? A starting point.com is the website. And he sits down with people and discusses all these things, economy, education, environment, government. And to the point that he actually gets discussions between some Democrats and Republicans about certain topics. So you can go on here and educate yourself on what uh, scientists are saying, what facts there are. You know, it's not you don't have to rely on what people tell you. Right. And I found that amazing. This is Chris Evans here. He plays Captain America in the Marvel movies. Oh, okay. And he took the initiative oh. and started doing this, and it took off like gangbusters. So this site has tons of fact on it if you want to go take a peek. I've looked at a couple articles, and they're very, very interesting. 
Yeah, I saw that where you were pulling that up. That is pretty cool. But that helps because, like you said, when there's when you have absolutely when they're when they're fighting politically, so one side says one thing and the other side says another thing, and you don't know which side's right, then you can go here and say, okay, what is the what are the facts? And then you can read the facts, and you'll probably see, like Sid and I've said, there's some truth on all sides, but they pepper it to make the other side not as trustworthy. Right. And that's what that's what's so confusing. And me Maggie talked about, you know, I've talked about Rob. I'm 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 consider myself independent. I'm in the middle. I want to know the truth. I don't care if it's harmful or hurts my feelings. I want to know the truth, especially over something like this. And but they're not saying, even the doctors aren't saying wear a mask. They're saying it now, but they didn't say it at first. You no. know. And even then, the doctors and the scientists, they give you generalizations. I did see some of the hearing, and I think it was uh, Jim Jordan was saying, are protests bad? But Dr. Fauci was saying, I'm not going to tell you protests are bad. Groups are bad. It doesn't right. matter. Protest or it's a rally. Groups right. are bad. Groups so are bad. I like how they do that. You need to be able to take the information from a, from it. Maggie, what do you think about all the statues being taken down? I think it's a disgrace. Yeah. I think it's a disgrace that they should try and change our history. You know, that's ridiculous. Regardless whether it's good or bad, it's part of this America's history. And it need if it was put up there to begin with for to honor, it should have stayed there. And all this destruction and these protests. Now I understand protesting for what you feel if you do it right. But the looting, right. the the destroying people's pro that those should be jail sentences and these, and these mayors and governors that are allowing this in this state, then turn around and ask for money to help rebuild and all. I say, shoot, no, no, you allowed it. You allowed it. You should have got in here and, and defunding the police. I don't think so. And I'm no, no, this is the thing is this pandemic. I think we probably all agree. This pandemic has caused a lot of, uh, Tension everywhere, politics, uh, these protests. Oh, are you still there? It's Sid? just sad. It's sad. We have. It's like we've turned back time instead of went forward because 95% no. of the people that I know, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter what color you are. I treat you how you treat me. And if you're right. good to me, I'm good to you. Period. Well, I believe this. I, I, I'm, I'm, I've, I've always said this. You know, when I started traveling and I got into the wrestling business, I was a little embarrassed sometimes to say I was from the South because of the Civil War. And this is just my opinion. The Civil War was the stupidest war of all. There were so many people died in that thing for, for the wrong reason. Um, and so, but I, I say this, if there's a statue up there, you shouldn't take it down unless you go about it the right way and you have a, get a, you know, the right way to do all these things is, is get, go to the law and try to get it, you know, taken down like that. If you go somewhere and tear something down and burn it and throw it into the river, that's looting, that's stealing, that's destruction of property. Now yeah. I can see where, you know, um, well, that could bother people, 
but there's a lot of things out there that could be questioned like that, not just these Confederate statues. There's a lot of statues and things like out there that probably, you know, um, I, I didn't know that some of these people were what they said they were, you know, uh, like George Washington. I don't see how, again, you can't take down his statue because some he did, you know, a hundred years ago. It depends on why it was erected. That's, and I think that's kind of what Maggie was saying that that trophy or sorry, that statue was put up for a reason. Right. So you look at that reason. Um, exactly. one, one, the one I'm thinking of is Teddy Roosevelt. And I, I do get where people are saying, because he has two people behind him um, that kind of look like they're subjugated. And uh, well, well, one's an Indian and one's an Afro, uh, Afro, uh, Afro American. Right. So it, I, I get how people can look at it and perceive that, but now what's the context? Why was it there? And what is it supposed to represent? Well, thing is, if, and I know a little bit about history, history tells us Teddy Roosevelt, was one of the greatest, if not the greatest president of all time. And he definitely was not, um, I don't ever hear him saying that he was racist or anything like that. He was just the opposite. What I feel like that is, guys, is that, and I was like this in the wrestling business. I always tell people one of the reasons I was successful because I was an opportunist. And I think that's what, and I don't blame people for being an opportunist right now, especially um, black people, because they have been definitely taken advantage of. So right now, they're going to ask for things like this, and they should ask for these things to be taken down. Don't mean they should, you know, go take them down themselves. You know, mm -hmm. go through go through law and have it taken but down. But you think, but you think that, but you think that they're asking for your property for what you have that you owe them. We were not part of that. Said I hate I it. That was a bad bad part of history. But yes. I'm not part of that. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say it for everybody because I'll put it out. You come to my house to take what Sid and I, my Sid and I have worked for for dang near 50 years. You better be right with the Lord before you do my door because you're, you're going to be on your way in, in, a, in a heartbeat. That's just how I feel. We have a right to defend what we've worked for. Right. I, I've never had welfare. I've never, and there are people that, that need help. I, I get that. And I'm all for that, but don't dare come trying to take from me what I worked for, for dang near 50 years. It ain't going to well, go I'll over give, well. I'll give you an example of a statue that was taken down in Memphis. And again, I think it was done the wrong way. There was a statue of uh, William Bedford. I think his name was, um, Forest or Forest Bedford or something like that, and what it was, there's a cemetery over Memphis. Um, this real famous, and a lot of the Confederate people were buried just called Elmwood. It's got the it's one of the most beautiful cemeteries in the, in the country. So they ended up taking his statue from his his grave there and moving it into the Midtown or Downtown Memphis in a park. All right, so they just recently, and this is where it bothers people. Uh, uh, some attorney from Nashville came in in the middle of the night, bought that thing and had it taken off somewhere and no one knows where it is. My opinion was, if you don't want it in the middle of the city, I can understand that. Take it back to his grave, you know? Yeah. Or you just can't take That's it, right. uh, uh, burn it or throw it in the water or whatever, just because you don't like it. You just broke the law when you did that. Now, if you again, if you go, Absolutely. go the, get you a lawyer and go to the city and 
of the state and get this thing, you know, all it takes, I'm sure there's a petition to get these things done. I'm all for protest as well. Like you said, Maggie, as long as it's done right. I saw a, a thing on, um, on protest about a year ago, and it was about the Vietnam War and how the protests, that's when they were burning flags and draft cards and stuff like that. But they made an example of, the, of a good protest, and it was people that worked in, in Washington. What they did at their lunch break, they'd go out, outside and stand in quiet for that, for that hour that they were on lunch. They didn't go tear anything down. They didn't catch any buildings on fire. You know, um, like uh, Fannie Lou Hamer, she's from Drew, Mississippi. I actually read her autobiography. She's the one that got uh, black women to vote. and But she did it the right way. She went through legislation and got it done the right way. And that's the way we've got to do things. Um, I heard today, right now, almost all the cities, especially New York, that the, the murder rate and the burglary and the armed robbery is an all-time high right now. You know, absolutely, and they're wanting and that, to defund, defund our our protectors, the police. That's no, so you wrong. Can't do, that is wrong. Now, this is the thing: is um, I think that the cops have got a bad rap. I had an uncle who's he's dead now. He was a, uh, my great uncle. He was one of the greatest human beings that I ever met in my life. He, not a racist bone in his body. I think, like most of people talk about officers majority of them, I think, are good guys. I know a lot of good police officers. I know a couple bad ones, but they're only a couple, and everybody knows here in town who they are. So, again, I, there's, you can't let a couple bad people make it bad for everyone. Uh, that, that's all about the New York. Uh, exactly. the, the mayor of New York, Belosi, said that, that they're going to have to probably lay off 27,000 city employees because of uh, just don't have the money to pay anybody right now. Let's they get help from the federal government. We're in a tough bind right now, everybody, on this pandemic. Now, let's talk about, uh, I talked to a guy I'm doing an autograph signing for in uh, New York at the end of this month. He said they've already got, he's already done three, four autograph signings. So I guess the world is coming back to a little bit normal. Maggie, do you still keep up with wrestling? I do some, yes. Have you been watching any of that AEW? Not a chance yet, but you you told me about that. When y'all all kind of retired, you know, y'all were my favorites, and I just kind of backed off. I didn't watch as much then, but I you mentioned that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out. Well, I like it because this thing is, and uh, people probably disagree with this, but I like it because they make mistakes once in a while. Not everything isn't laid out and scripted. And they really worked their butts off. And it reminds me a little bit of uh, WCW. Uh, it's a different style. It's not, you know, not, it's not everybody the same. Um, and everybody's got a chance to, you know, what I always say, everybody's got a chance to get over. They're not stopping anyone. So, but it, it's, it's, um, it's more on ad lib, which I like that better too. I don't like everything that's scripted out like WWE does it. So, it, and it, again, it, it's fun to see a mistake once in a while. To me, that was the best part of it is you, you agreed the mess ups and it's like, Oh, you know, well, we see it now. That, that made it, that made it real. Well, it exactly. does Maggie. It, you're right. It made it real because it was real when you're making mistakes. So I think 
the scripted part, and I, I was a part of that anniversary show several years ago. And, man, I'm telling you, everybody there is unhappy. You know, uh, I remember Heath Slater, he had to do an interview, and he wanted to change, like, one little word. And if he would have changed that one word, just phrased it a little bit, it would have been a better interview. But he was scared to do that because he would have gotten in trouble. Now, if I'd been in that spot and it being live TV, I would have changed it um, because I knew I would have got myself over. A lot of times, like the WWE, they'll have things set up for you where you don't get over. And I think that's a big mistake. Let the people get over that can get over. Like Maggie, you said back in, you know, you watched us back in the day, like me and Scott and Kevin and, and uh, all those guys, Sting, right. Sean, and, um, Sean. I was watching. Uh, yeah, I was watching when Danny Danny Hodge and Grizzly Smith and Jake the Snake, uh, all that, when they first come out, Ted DiBiase, back in yeah. the early 70s. Yeah, yeah. That, that's when it was good. That that's, was some good stuff. That was it Bill really Watts was. territory, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, back then it was. Yeah. yeah. It sure was. I'm going to throw this up real quick, Sid, because Ryan Haskell said AEW is great. And then he said, how is Sid with the Rhodes family? Any contact with Cody to get into AEW? Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> well, they yeah. know my number. <laughs> That's right. Man. Uh, if you want, Sid, do you want to take a couple questions? Yeah, let's take a question. Let's see what they got to say. Okay. I'm going to put this one up because it was posted just a bit ago. But like I said, we, we're our forum for everybody. And Trisha seems to be a big fan of Trump, too. So... Trump 2020. There we go. Um, here is you one. Hello, Trisha. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, from Preston. It said, hello, Sid. You're my favorite wrestler. One of the biggest, meanest, and dominating wrestlers of all time. All the best, sir. Thank you, buddy. That is great. Uh, there was a question on here I just saw. Oh, my gosh. Where'd it go? This thing flies by really quick, so I apologize. I'm going to peek back real quick. And oh, here it was. Uh, from Giacomo, uh, when Sid was posing with Hogan at SummerSlam '91, did he, you, Sid, feel like you were getting a louder pop? Yeah, I think that people picked up on that every time me and Hogan were in the ring together doing whatever we were doing. I was getting a better pop than him, and it, it wasn't I was better than him, I think I am better than him, but it was just he'd had his run. And uh, the business was changing and people, what I was doing, people wanted to believe that because I wanted people to believe that I was real. And I, I made a point to make everything look real. And guys, if y'all just knew how silly the WWF was back in those days with Hogan and Rob, we talked about it. Hogan's whole deal was based on Curly off the three stooges. His yeah. comeback, the whole nine yards. If you watch how he wrestled, he, he copied Curly. And he did uh, the old Austin Idol thing. It wasn't original. And then, again, it just got boring. And we can only be on top for so long. And then we're going to get, you know, if we get pushed hard enough as a, say, like he is, as, was a, as a good guy or what they call a baby face, it's almost like the same thing happened to Tim Tebow. He was so popular and so good, people started hating that kid. You know, he didn't do anything but good things. And same thing with Hogan. He wasn't doing anything bad. It's just p people get tired. And then the Northeast, where we were at a lot, the fans there were Hill fans anyway. 
Well, and that's we we talked about that too. When you when you start shoving a person down the people's throats, you right? Know? And they did that with Hogan. They did it with Michaels. They did it with Brett. They did it with Triple H. But the people well, tell you stop. They do. This is what happens, Rob. It's not. I think Vince is, for his point of view, he's talked. We I talked to him about this before. Um, one time he was telling me where he just did not like Lex Luger. He said, but I've got, I've put so much money into the guy. I've got to use him. And so to the point where he was putting, you know, definitely shoving Lex down everybody's throat too. But when they, when Vince puts money into you like that, he's going to get everything out of you. And that, that part of that is getting pushed down people's throat, you know, because he's going to get everything he can out of you. Uh, I'm going to put this one up for Maggie. Let's see if she agrees. Uh, Robert here says Memphis has the best wrestling. Are you a, a Southern wrestling fan? Maggie? I, I'm not. I, I am, but you know, I'm down here in Louisiana. It's a little bit different. Oh, that's right. It's a different territory. Yeah, that was she was part of Bill Watts yeah. territory. It was, just, it was called the UWF. That's right. I keep forgetting where that line is, and honestly, Maggie, I'm so sorry. I keep forgetting you were in Louisiana. <laughs> well, no Bill Watson, no UWF was big. It was Mississippi. It was Louisiana. Um, they even came up. They they were. It was pretty big territory. Um, they were doing uh, the Superdome way before Vince was doing big shows like that. That was a really good territory at one time. Mm, I miss the territories. I do, Absolutely. you know. Okay, here, here's one from Stuart. Uh, Sid, be honest. Your movie, River of Darkness, how many thumbs up would you give it? One. One? <laughs> no, I'll tell you what. Actually, that, you know, of all the independent films I did, and actually I was, Kevin Nash and I were in that movie together. The cool thing about that movie, Rob, I told you about it. I got that movie. We got to kill, the guy we killed in that movie. He was the original zombie of the Night of the Living Dead. Do you know his name, Rob? I we talked about it, and I remembered at the time. I am drawing a blank, so I'm trying to look it up really quick while we stall. But <laughs> anyway, that that was the good part of that movie for me, and I thought it was a pretty good, uh, well done, independent, low budget film. Um, just I. I I like that better than the other one I did for him. I can't remember the other one I did. What was the name of it with uh, Kurt Angle was in it. But it was like a action deal, you know. Uh, well, I like horror films, and that's why I like River of Darkness. And I liked everybody on the set. We had a good time. We was there for two days. But I had a good time doing that. And I always had more fun doing independent films than I did, like, Get Ready to Rumble. Well, the independent films, they, they give you a little bit more freedom uh, right. as a person, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't, it, when you get into a studio, they got time schedules, they got this and that, and then you just follow the lines, but the independents are, they're a bit more free. Yeah. And less pressure. The gentleman's name was William Heinzman. William Heinzman. Okay. Yes. He was one of the original zombies from night of the living dead. Well, he would get the credit, uh, and on the movie it says the original. It says zombie, whatever, and I, that name didn't sound familiar. Uh, I just double checked. He he does have a credit for River of Darkness. Okay, and his yeah. name was what again? William Heinzman. See, he probably went by Bill. My guess, Bill yeah, Heinzman. Cool. Yeah. 
No, that was a lot of fun getting to kill that guy. And then he was somebody in horror films. And to me, that was a big deal. Oh, wait. Yeah. It even says here River of Darkness as Bill Heinzman. So, yeah, he went by Bill there. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, let me see. Richard. Richie says, Sid, just say hi to me, please. Thanks, Richie. <laughs> hey, Richie. There we go. Here's a good question for you. Which WWF title win did you enjoy more when you beat Sean or when you beat Brett? When I beat Sean, it was a, it was a more meaningful match. It was, it was, you know, the deal with Brett, um, it was a smaller show. I go by, of course, that was Madison square garden. Rob, we talked about that. That was to me, probably the, that's when I got myself off the whipping post. Um, so the one where I beat Sean, the deal where I beat Brett, Brett had to be a team player and do that for me because Sean was supposed to put the belt back on me, but he retired after the show in the Alamo Dome. So that's why, you know, Brett had to step in and do that for me. Those, I, I remember those were good matches. Yeah. Hey, I like what is your favorite Sid match? You've watched a lot of them. Oh, I was, I guess the, the, it's really hard to say. I, I don't got all my memories <laughs> has faded some, but Sid was always a favorite. He really was. What were some of your favorite matches, Maggie? Oh, shoot, Sid. <laughs> Just in well, general. Who was your favorite? I, I remember. Who was your uh, favorite? PSA. Back in the day. Michael P. Well, see, I like the Freebirds as a kid yes. too, Maggie. Freebirds. Yeah, the Freebirds were cool. Yes. They were yes. good. Now, knowing Michael Absolutely. Hayes personally, he's an idiot. He was I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, I love the Freebirds. I mean, think about it. I remember I, when I first met him, I thought, man, I'm so, I'm so, you know, because that was like my favorite wrestlers, the Freebirds, all of them, because they were just so cool. But then when I met him, I was really disappointed. Uh, I remember one time we were at the Boston Gardens, one of my first shows at the Boston Gardens, and uh, Steve Williams had beat up Michael Hayes and Terry Garvin, or my, uh, Jimmy Garvin, I think it was. Um, and uh, they both were bleeding out yeah. their noses and their ears and everything. And um, Steve Williams had beat them up in the ring that night because they wouldn't act right. Oh, really? Yeah, they were beat up, man. And um, it's weird. Right after that, an agent came out. I can't remember who the agent was. And they said, hey, Marvin Hagler's out here. He wants to meet you. And I thought, I'm just a – this is my first time in the – you know, I hadn't even been on TV that often. And I said, everybody in the, you know, in the locker room, that he wants to meet me. So I went out there. Now, I was put in a position – this is when the business was still being protected, you know, yeah. You weren't allowed to really bring people in the locker room. But I thought, okay, now I just saw Steve Williams beat up both the Freebirds for not acting right. I said, now, if I don't bring him in, he might try to beat me up. If I do bring him in, he might try to beat me up too. So <laughs> I said, I'll at least I'll just bring him in. And um Marvin Hagler, you know, was one of the meanest guys of all time boxing. And um he said he came in I never forget this. He said, um, hey man, you guys are Great athletes. And I forget this. He said, but what y'all do is fake. Man, Steve Williams said, you motherfucker. 
<laughs> he said, I'll beat your ass. And uh, he said, if you don't get out of here. And Marvin Hagler backed out of the dressing room. Really? Yeah. Steve, Gar- Steve Williams was probably, at that point, probably really the toughest guy in business. Or if not the toughest, one of the toughest. That would have been an interesting locker room to be standing in at that moment. Well, this is the thing is, again, I just seen him beat up two guys at one time. And then um, they didn't want to fight him at the dressing room, so I knew he was pretty tough. And then uh, he, Marvin Hagler didn't want to fight him either. See, the Freebirds, uh, they were the, the, the first wrestling team, I guess, that confused me because I really wanted to cheer for them. But like you said, they were the heels. Right. That was the first time I actually got behind right. heels in wrestling well they were cool exactly you know, that's, you know that's what it was they were cool and they had the w- most wicked entrance music bad street usa yeah yeah i remember that uh okay let me see we'll just throw this one last thing because uh richie richie message back right on thanks sid you're my favorite much appreciated there we go and let's, last one here. We've talked about this match a lot. Sid versus Sting for Halloween Havoc 90. That That is still one of my favorite to watch of yours. Well, it's, it's probably the most fun I've had in a match. And the reason was I didn't know what the finish was. I didn't know that they were going to do that deal where Sting was going to come back out and beat me until it happened. And when you're a part of something like that, it's just more fun. Oh, absolutely. I can imagine. Like you said, if they can fool you, they can fool the fans. Right. Yes. All right. Well, um, I think that's it for tonight. Well, Maggie, we'd like to thank you for coming on tonight. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me, both of y'all. Y'all have a good evening. You too, girl. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Excellent. That was awesome. That was great. And see, that's cool, though. Like you said, this is a show about fact. You want to try and get as much fact out there. So it's nice to have that other side. Well, Rob, I was I don't know if Maggie's holding up yet or not. Um, the thing about it was I've watched TV over the last couple of days, and I've noticed that you know, even ESPN or CNN or even PBS News, they're, they're talking about these subjects right now. And I don't think it's boring. I think I want to hear different perspectives. I don't mm-hmm. want to just know mine or yours, you know. Yeah. And Maggie's got a, a really great different perspective on all, all this stuff. The virus, the uh, the election, and I don't want to hear just one side. Yeah, it, but the hardest part right now, and I think I told you this, I realized I was doing it. I was watching the news for the, yeah. the bang. Yes. And I wasn't watching it for the facts. I wanted to see the bang. I was actually watching a news article that was fact, and it got boring, and I shut it off. Well, I was doing the same thing, Rob. I was watching those briefings every night just because I was, it was funny to listen to Trump give those reporters crap. And I was laughing about it. Uh, to me, that's what I was watching it for, just watch him be funny. And then after a while, then it started becoming uh, irritating. It wasn't funny anymore. Yep. But that's it. That's when we stopped looking for fact. We were just going for the bang. So we're it, going for the bang. Well, it, you're exactly right. That's why I think what Chris Evans did with that website is so crucial because it brings fact back. That way people can make a judgment call, not based on Republican, not based on Democrat, but based on fact. 
Right. Wow. This was a good episode, man. Thanks uh, for sitting in. I'm glad everybody got to send in some questions, too. Yeah, that was awesome. All right. Well, in that case, uh, I think we'll end it for this week. All right, Rob. Thank you very much. You bet. You've been listening to the Vicious Circle Podcast. Your host, Sid Udi. Co-host, J. Robert Bellamy. Additional research by Pete Marsh. The Vicious Circle Podcast was produced by Two Cousin Road Trip Media, a division of JX3 Media Productions. The intro music, Omega Amigo, was by The Shaman. All rights to the podcast are held by Sid Udi.